0: Where uh we it uh, it brings me a um a lot of joy to be uh oh well not joy I, i'm just really glad to be wrapping up Ecclesiastes with you today so if you 've been with us at all uh, over the last um, ten to twelve weeks we've been uh, in Ecclesiastes and uh it has been um it's been really good so for me it's it's kind of this it's caused me to stop and question a lot of stuff you know like kind of stop and look at my desires and the things in my life that i kind of stake my life on and it just caused me to kind of ask questions of them you know because you just hear the preacher time and time again just going vanity of vanities it's meaningless everything is meaningless and he's looking at stuff he's looking at work and he's looking at money and he's looking at health and he's looking at sex and he's looking at alcohol and he's just going it's all meaningless what's the point so for me, it's just—it's. I trust for you as well. It's kind of caused you to stop and just to question things and to question your relationship to them and how you uh, how you value them. So we uh, we're gonna. If you've got a Bible, you can open open up to Ecclesiastes 12. We're gonna finish with the very last section in Ecclesiastes. It's a um, it's a really uh, sweet, concise uh, summary. Let me uh, let me start. By, uh, by reading it. It says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So, you know, the, the preacher, the, the author, has kind of looked at a number of uh, themes and, and topics and, and here he's kind of saying, look, like this is the just to summarize this is the end of the matter we've heard everything we've talked about a, you know a lot of stuff but this is it he's like let me make it really 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 simple for you fear god and keep his commandments you know like what a like he should have started with this to save us all the trouble of kind of tripping through just going what is this you know tripping through ecclesiastes um, he just he just really sweetly kind of wraps it up and he says, we've heard it all, fear God and keep his commandments. That is your whole duty, the, the whole duty of man. So what, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what that looks like. So how does, you know, how does fear of God work? What, what is our relationship to things in light of fear of God? So I'm going to start with a little, um, a little scaffolding, just a few Uh, things to kind of set up and and preface fear and then we're going to uh going to move into unpacking it a little more i just want to let me start with with this um with these things these are fears that we're not talking about we're not talking about firstly fear that flees when you talk about fearing god we're not talking about the kind of fear that makes you want to run away from god you know, like the running in terror sort of fear, like the tsunami's about to collapse over the city and people are looking at it and they're going, there is absolutely no way I'm going to move towards that. There, Every part of me is going this way. Like I'm running away. It's that terror or it's that like, what's up, Godzilla's in the house and I'm eating people and people are going, like terrified. You know, it's like this is terrifying. I'm going to run away. That's not the fear we're talking about. We're not talking about fleeing. We're not talking about, secondly, fear that freezes. So the kind of fear that just kind of, you freeze. You know the, um, the they just found out what I did fear. You know, like the, they know. Like they, it's out, secret's out, and I'm just frozen. Like there's a fear that just grips you, and you're unable to uh, respond well. We're not talking about that kind of fear. And thirdly, we're not talking about fear that fades. So we're not talking about the kind of fear that is weak and fades you know like the monsters under the bed thing like i grew up i I grew out of it i got over it like i've got this now i understand i'm mature i can handle it we're not talking about that kind of fear where it's like it's faded you know or or it's small that's not it at all you do not grow out of the fear of god you don't grow past it so all this to say you know we've all got fear um, but we deal with it or, or it expresses itself uh, itself incorrectly at times. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I'm going to give you two illustrations about fear and about uh, what it does. Uh, and then we'll unpack the elements of fear by moving like through a number of scriptures in the Bible. So I'm just going to give you a few images that I kind of want you just to peg in your head, just kind of. Put the magnet on the fridge with those two pictures and just hold them there as we move through the Bible as, a, as an attempt to better understand fear. Um, let, but let me say this when we talk about fear, we are really quick to solve the problem of God's fearfulness by Christ on the cross, aren't we? You know, when you talk about fear, you know, you may be tempted to straight, in your, straight away in your mind just go, but it's okay, Christ died on the cross. And that's good, and that's true, and we're actually going to go there, but let's not be quick with that. Let's be slow, okay? Because if, if you go quick with that, <laughs> you could miss the depth of your sin, right? You could miss the contrast between the depth of your sin and the, the, the greatness of God's holiness, right? Like if you skip away straight away, just go, it's okay with the cross. It's like, let's, we're not just going to give that answer very quickly today. We're going to actually sit here and we're going to paint this uh, contrast a lot stronger here's the first picture i want you to save in your mind fear is like the solar system in the solar system all of the planets were designed to orbit around the sun so when you know the planets orbit in the in the way they were made you know around the sun things work things fit together you know planets in their arcs they just they, they naturally work together so, you know, it's kind of like there's no problems. You just look at it you go, that's really good. It works. When, you know, say, for example, all the planets decided instead of orbiting around the sun, they wanted to orbit around Jupiter. Yeah, you'd go, that's crazy. But if it happened, it would be chaos, right? Like planets crashing into each other, uh, temperatures and atmospheres of planets just going into, like just be disruption everywhere, chaos, destructions Uh, you know it would things would be completely out of order now that's it's kind of what the fear of god is like when you think of fear think of awe think of your heart in awe of god and your heart orbiting around god and and all the rest of your life falling into orbit around god chaos happens when you decide to orbit your life around something else and you go, I'm going to fear this instead. So it's like, I'm doing, look, Jupiter is what matters more to me than God. So I'm going to orbit Jupiter. And you're wondering why some things in your life are starting to unravel. Now, when I say that, I don't say that when you fear God, your life's going to be perfect on the surface. I'm talking about in your heart, right? Like the, the fear of God in your heart leads to a good fit. Is peace, right? Things work the way they're supposed to. So when you fear and orbit your life around something else, it's a broken experience. Sure, it might look, it might feel all right for a little while. You might just be going, nah, it's not broken. I'm doing it okay. It might feel all right for a little while, but just like just behind you on the dark side, there's a couple of planets that are just like on the trajectory to explode, and it's like it's only a matter of time. (laughs) Ultimately, the entire solar system will burn up in the wrath of the sun if it's not orbiting around him. Second picture I want to give to you. And now this is, um, John Piper uses this uh, illustration for fear. I just want to share it with you because I think it's really, really helpful. Uh, Picture a man climbing in the mountains. So he's climbing up uh, the mountains and there is a tremendous, terrible storm coming. Uh, like we're not just talking about like not just talking about 10 mil of rain. We're talking like lightning, you know, thunder as loud as you've heard it, and it is terrifying. Powerful winds, uh, and he he kind of sees that, and and he, what does he do? Straight away he looks for shelter. He looks around. He's like, where can I hide? I'm Just looking for a little hole in the mountain, looking for a little niche. He's like, all right, I'm just gonna just gonna as soon as I can, I'm gonna duck in there and, and I'm gonna shelter myself from the side of the mountain, the moment he ducks in, the storm just you know, breaks, just breaks over the mountain and it erupts and it's violent and it's furious and he's sitting in this little hole looking out and what's he doing? He is just going, oh my goodness. He's going, wow. Like, right? It's majesty. It's powerful. It's furious. And he's going, what a storm. How powerful is that? But he's, he's protected and he's able to see it. The storm for us, that's the storm of God's holiness and God's wrath and God's power. And the niche, you know, the little hole that we sit in is the cross, right? Like we sit inside of the cross and it compels, you know, when we see God's holiness and it compels fear of God, humility awe, trembling, what a powerful God, what a holy God. But because of the cross, we don't have to taste wrath. Jesus took it for us. So we sit inside the cross and the storm of God passes over us. We were designed to fear. That's the way we were made. We were made to live life with a fear of God. So godly fear, again, just redefining it, we're talking about awe. We're talking trembling. We're talking respect. It would be insane for us to stroll up to the creator of the universe with a cavalier spirit, wouldn't it? Like that's insanity. Like we are talking about a holy God. It would be insane, right? For you just to walk up to the creator of the universe with a cavalier attitude. So I want to take us right across the Bible to look at examples of this fear. I've got three, three points today. The first one is fear of God or fear in God anchors. Look at Jeremiah thirty two forty. So you don't have to follow these. I'm happy to give you the references, but I'll, um, I'll race through a few references here for you. It says this, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn away from me. See that? Godly fear anchors us to God. It prevents us from turning away, right? I'll put the fear of me in them so they might not turn away. It locks us onto the awesomeness of God. Now, when I say awesome, if I say that today, I'm not talking about like a Big Mac meal. awesome. Oh, that was an awesome meal. I just feel so... Satisfied it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just like hit the delete key about a thousand times on that word and just erase it. And when I say awesome, I'm talking about the awe of God, sovereign God. You're going, that is awesome, right? We've just used a word like a man, it's like polluted now. It's like you just need to wash the word off and scrub it up and let's restore it, all right? Back on track, Matt. All right. Godly fear anchors us to god god wants us to fear him so we don't turn away from him now if you if you look at it an element of this is jealousy isn't it god is a jealous god it wouldn't be love without it would it like what what would you think of the man who is completely fine for his wife to sleep around with other women like he's not loving her is he (laughs) you know it's not love God loves us in the way that His fear anchors us to Him because He is what's best for us, right? He is the thing that we need. He is the thing that our hearts ultimately desire. So His fear anchors us to Him. Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. (laughs) This is amazing. This is not fearing God because he's against us. This is fearing God because he's working for us, right? Like this is like a kind of catch your breath, kind of like, whoa. (laughs) Like, fear God because he is working for you. Like, it is an awesome thing that our great, powerful God is works for us, right? It's like, like he's coming out to bat on the field and the crowd is going, you know, like the bowler's like, okay, okay, you know, like uh, what am I going to do? And God's coming out to bat. He's coming out to work for you, right? Like everyone's going, wow, God is working for me. He's not working against me. He is working for me. So work out your salvation. Work at it. Knowing that Almighty God works for you, and that quiets you, doesn't it? It anchors you to God. This is ai am going to show you a scene from the movie Jurassic uh, World. It's uh, like a, a follow up to um, the movie Jurassic Park, and uh, and basically they've created like a laboratory dinosaur. I think I think it's called I Rex, um, which is a really dumb name, um, but just play with it. Just Hang in there for a second. They, it's like a laboratory dinosaur that's a combination of a few dinosaurs and it's just wrecking havoc on Jurassic World. So it's just destroying stuff and eating people and um, the good guys are trapped in a little area with the dinosaur under a, or in a little room actually. You'll see a scene where the dinosaur's claw is on the kid's belt and I'm like, come on, like, please. <laughs> and they're holding him. It's like, a, you know, a hundred ton dinosaur versus like a couple of hundred kilos. Anyway, uh, Anyway, this watch what this lady does and watch how fear is at work in her uh, as she looks for help. Okay? bit of a yell off and then um the good guy or the good dinosaur wins with the help of some other little dinosaurs and a massive sea monster but that's not the point you know the the point is like look at look at the lady that relationship with the dinosaur right the dinosaur here is working for the lady in a similar way that god works for us you know like you see she's catching a breath like she's terrified she's trembling but the dinosaur is working for her good. Right? Like, it's do you see that bizarre dynamic? She is trembling, but the dinosaur's working for her good. That's a that's a similar way that God works for us. And we tremble before him. Hebrews twelve, twenty eight, twenty nine says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. Fear the prospect of becoming proud. Like, you should fear... You should fear that regularly. Fear the prospect of becoming proud and drifting away from God. Don't be presumptuous. Godly fear anchors us to God. Second thing, godly fear guards us, or fearing God guards us from sin. 2 Corinthians one says this, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Godly fear compels holiness. You see that there? Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. How do you work at holiness? How do you bring holiness to completion? In the fear of God. Godly fear compels you to be more holy so on the reverse, godly fear guards you from sin, right? Because that's that's holiness, right? Like, I want to sin less. Godly fear guards me from sin and compels me towards holiness. Let's read this uh, story in Numbers 16. I'll just set the scene first. Um, uh, Korah and his family and, and a couple of other groups had gathered against Moses uh, accusing him of wrongdoing, and, and they were wanting something they didn't deserve. Uh, they were wrong, they were in sin, they had disrespected God, and they wanted to challenge Moses. It says this, And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, and that it has not been of my own accord. And they, if these men die as all men die, or if they are visited by the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. So if they die a natural death, like if they just get old and cark it, you know the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. Despised the Lord. And as soon as he finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. Right? A little bit later on, it says, uh, in, in chapter 17, it says, And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish. We are undone. We are all undone. So God, in his might, opens up the ground and swallows them alive whoa right like whoa god in his holiness burns against sin his anger rages against sin time and time again he revealed his holiness to israel in that he disciplined them in order to guard them from sin right like the lord disciplines those he loves so his discipline is there, you know, to, to prevent them from sinning is because of their rebellion. He's trying to He's trying to uh, to lead them back to fearing him. So godly fear guards your heart from sin. One more here. Matthew ten twenty eight says this And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who's in heaven. But whoever desi- desires me before men, sorry, denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who's in heaven having trouble speaking english this morning godly fear guards you against the fear of men, right do you hear that what's he saying don't fear men like anything they do is temporary like it's it is short term but the things that god do last forever for eternity so what, what are they saying don't orient your life around the voice of men Like, don't allow the voice of men to be the predominant influence in your life. Even more, don't shrink back from acknowledging God before men. Move toward that. Like, wherever you can, whenever you can, move toward acknowledging God before men, right? Like, do you hear that? Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. That is terrifying. God, in His mercy, has offered me Himself. Like I was dead in sin. I was corrupt. I was wicked. I was selfish. And I was dead there, sitting in that. And God gave me the life of Christ. So I can know God now. I can look Him in the face. And I can be restored into His family. In Christ, I'm forgiven. And God looks at me and sees Christ's righteousness. He sees me as blameless. So do that, right? Every chance you can get, sure, in a down-to-earth way, but every chance you can get, acknowledge God before men. Let me push this a little bit further. Like I'm battling fear of men even talking about this now, aren't I? (laughs) Like in my head, what are they going to think of me now? Like we're not talking about popular comfortable prosperity here are we right like it just i was reading over it last night and i was just oh man struggle now don't miss the note here don't miss this note like because you kind of just go straight to that like don't fear man fear god who can destroy your soul in hell don't miss this note don't fear because you are of far more value to god than birds and look how he cares for them. Look how he cares for birds. When you're rejected by men, know that God cares for you. Know that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, that for some of you, that may be like, well, I'm bald, so it doesn't really mean a lot to me. But what, what, what's, it, what's it saying? It's saying he knows the details, right? Like he knows the words that were spoken against you he knows the circumstances he knows the suffering and the situations you've walked through he knows it so don't fear let me push along here a little bit more by saying this there's a lot going on politically and culturally at the moment you know like there is a shift away from christian values and biblical truth and we as a nation are becoming less and less uh, tolerant of the christian worldview in light of that don't fear what man can do to you right like don't fear what man can do to you a lot of the time when we engage with that scene that is one of the prominent thoughts what are men going to do to me i love what uh, i love what john piper says What's the worst that can happen? You die. Like seriously, what is the worst thing that can happen to you? You get killed and you die and you go to be with Jesus. Right? Yep, I'm in. Like I'm in. I'm up for that. Sorry to all the babies, but that's really really cool for me. I'm like, sure. Worst thing that happen? Worst thing that happens to me is I get killed and I see Jesus and I'm made perfect and sin is broken. Right? Let me take this a little further by jumping back to look at Ecclesiastes 12. Notice the follow-up in in verse 14. The follow-up that he says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. God will judge. At the end of time, all men will stand before his throne and he will judge their good acts as well as their evil acts. That is both Hopeful and terrifying. To those in Christ, judgment. To those outside of Christ, judgment. What am I trying to say? Don't spend your time trying to get even. Don't harbor bitterness. Don't withhold forgiveness. Don't keep score because God is judge. For all men, their sin will be paid in the death of, of Jesus on the cross and their trust in that, or their sin will be paid by their sentence to hell forever. God will judge. Godly fear guards sin. Third point, fear of God humbles. know the story of um, Moses in Exodus 3. You know, where God kind of calls him. And, and in verse, uh, I think it's verse four. Uh, yeah, the, oh, the, sorry, verse six where it says, And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Let me show you a clip. I uh, love this uh, movie, it's a classic. I am take the sandals from your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground I am the god of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were born of my mother, Yohebeth. You are our brother. What do you want with me? I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and have heard their cry. So I have come down to deliver them out of slavery and bring them to a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so unto Pharaoh I shall send you. Me? Who am I to lead these people? They'll never believe me, they won't even listen. I shall teach you what to say. Let my people go! But I was their enemy. I was the Prince of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've you've chosen the wrong messenger. How, how can I even speak to these people? Who made man's mouth? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go. Godly fear humbles you in light of the greatness of God. Look at that story, what a mercy of God it was. That he treated Moses like that. Most of the conversation is Moses making excuses, right? He's like, oh, I can't, like, I'm, I'm busy, I've got some sheep, I don't have a good mouth, there's someone else. He's just, just turning it every other way, and God is so merciful with him. There. So, godly fear changes your perspective. Godly fear awakens you to who is really on the throne and what is really going on. Godly fear kills pride. You know, you could be feeling like you've got it all together and you're okay, or you could be feeling like you've got nothing to give at all. And it's like this false humility. The fear of God reminds you that it is God who works, it's His power, it's His plan, it's His leading, His provision, His timing, and, and His wisdom. Godly fear humbles us. Mark 4.39 says this, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? Like this is the disciples on the boat and Jesus is having a nap because he's pretty busy and there's a storm and they are fr- they're losing it. They're freaking out and they wake him up and he's just like, peace. And it's still. And they're going, we seriously underestimated this guy. Like, do, do you get it? Like, I'm having trouble understanding what's going on here. Godly fear humbles you when you truly know that God is sovereign over all, that he controls all that nature bows before Him. Godly fear humbles us to know that we don't have life under control and that in faith we trust and fear God and orient our lives around Him knowing that He is mighty and He is mighty to save. Isaiah sixty-six two. All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. See the connection between fear and humility here? He who is humble and trembles. He who fears me, fears my word and is humble in spirit. Godly fear humbles us. Just one more before I, um, before I move on. A, a beautiful story in Luke 8, 48. This is the woman uh, with the bleeding. The crowds are pressing around Jesus and she is like just battling just to touch Jesus. And she touches him and she gets healed. And, and it says this, And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? Like, isn't that bizarre? Like, he's in a crowd of people and it's like, You know, the disciples say this, when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. Like, why would you ask that? And Jesus said, but someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman knew that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The word trembling there, that is awe and respect. She, the woman, she knew that she wasn't hidden, that Jesus knew her. When Jesus calls you, when he calls you out, or when he puts his finger on something in your life, don't, uh, don't let that call go unanswered, right? Answer his call. Godly fear humbles us because we know more and more that it is grace through the cross of Christ that allows us relationship with God, not our efforts. So what do I want to do? I want to encourage fear. I want to encourage in you a renewed sense of fear, of humility, awe, and trembling. You know, we regularly fear a number of different things. We allow ourselves to fear a number of things, I just want to push fear of God like right to the top of that list. I want to fight for your awe and your trembling in view of God. So look at what it produces, right? Like if you, if you, if you recognize fear that's really just awe, we talked about this in, gen- in January, awe of God leads to worship and it leads to honoring God. That's the same thing. Let me... um. Let me conclude uh, with this. I'll read you a story and then I'll, um, I'll wrap up. Bishop Hugh Latimer was a courageous man whose fear of God superseded all other fears. This was seen in the boldness he showed in the presence of King Henry the VIII. One New Year's Day, instead of carrying, according to the custom of that age, a rich gift to the king, he presented him with a New Testament, a leaf of which was turned down at the passage, This might have cost him his life, but the king, instead of being angry, admired his courage. On one occasion, when preaching before Henry the king, the bishop spoke his mind very plainly, and the sermon displeased Henry. Latimer was commanded to preach again on the next Sabbath and to make an apology for the offense he had given. After reading his text, he thus began his sermon, addressing himself. Hugh Latimer, do thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy thy life if thou offendest. Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. But then, Hugh, consider well, dost thou not know from whom thou comest? Upon whom message thou art sent? even the great and mighty God who is all present and able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. Latimer was faithful to the end, being burned at the stake in 1555. You see how his fears, like his fear of men, is subject to his fear of God? Like you see how it's there and he addresses it. And he goes, notice that the king, if he's not, not happy with what you're saying, could kill you. He goes, yeah, yeah, but notice, you know, and, it, and it's subject to his godly fear and his fear of God. Now let me just take a step back and, and let's look at Ecclesiastes as a whole. To wrap up Ecclesiastes properly, we need to look to Jesus Jesus is the one who redeems us from the vanity and the meaninglessness, sorry, the meaninglessness under which the preacher suffered, right? Like you just you remember time and time again, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. It's the most common refrain in the book. Jesus redeems us from that vanity. Jesus redeems us from that meaningless world by subjecting himself to it. Jesus the son of God experienced the vanity of the world so he could free us from it. As he hung on the cross his own father deserted him. And at this point he experienced the frustration of the world under curse in a way that the preacher could never imagine. Like you thought the preacher had it was was frustrated with the curse, imagine the frustration of Jesus on the cross being separated from his Father, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. After all, by facing death, Jesus conquered the biggest fear facing the preacher. He showed believers that death is not the end of all meaning, but the entrance into the very presence of God. For the Christian, death has eternal meaning take hold of Christ, trust in him, trust in his word, trust in his work, and live your life with godly fear awe, wonder and reverence before a great God who in Christ came so low to redeem us. So yes, sit in the cross as you observe the great might and power and holiness of God. Let me pray for you and then I'll uh, I'll finish with a uh, benediction. Lord, help us to fear you. I recognize in, in my own life fears that I make much of that shouldn't be made much of. And and at the same time, I recognize fear that should be made much of that isn't. And I ask that uh, you would compel me, that you would turn my heart to fear God and to fear you and to, to be in awe of you, to see you as majestic. I just ask that we wouldn't be people who are... Um, who could approach a holy God? You know, casually. That that w- that we wouldn't be cavalier about that, but that we would learn uh, a a humble, uh, authentic fear of God. That we would tremble.